0: In that child and their family's lives, just reinforcing curiosity in that space, both with play and psychosocial factors, to really understand where the parents are at, where other people in the house are at, and where the child is at. And then also remembering that that child doesn't have a voice. So you have to be in there and advocate for them and their parents as well. Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast.
1: Welcome to Emerging Minds Podcast. I'm Vicki Mansfield, Practice Development Officer. Today it's my pleasure to talk with two social work students who've just completed their fourth year placement working with infants and families. And we know from the 2020-2021 National Workforce Survey for Parent, Family and Child Mental Health that infant mental health capability was the lowest self-rated area of competence across all workforce groups. And the survey showed us that workers tended to feel more comfortable with traditional concepts of attachment so from an adult or parent's point of view and rated their confidence in recognizing emerging mental health issues in infants 0 to 2 as the lowest score in the overall survey and i know from my practice discussions with clinicians that it's important that we intentionally reflect on how to keep infants in mind across the disciplines so we can promote a strong foundation for infants and toddlers in the first thousand days. So it's great to talk with Megan and Rachel today who are at the start of their career and explore with them the discoveries they've made about infants and toddlers. New graduates are often well placed to bring fresh perspectives and conversations with them offer us opportunities to consider the how and why we practice in particular ways. Welcome Megan and welcome Rachel. Thank you. Thanks. Would you mind telling us why you chose to study social work? I'll ask you first, Rachel.
0: Um, I guess my mum. She always had different caring roles growing up. And then I think for my whole teen years, she was a foster carer. So we always had, you know, it, whether it was long, permanent care or respite,
1: that sort of was the foundation of it. Awesome. And Megan, what about for you? What inspired you?
2: I started off doing another degree, doing a teaching degree, and I was doing some work with um, kids who just come from a refugee background in tutoring, and I just loved it. And I thought I'd actually prefer to go down more of a community service career pathway. So I changed over to social work, and now I'm here.
1: Fantastic. What drew you to the program?
2: My placement was at a parenting centre and when I
0: seen the email come through about the program and it spoke about looking at the parent and infant relationship from the different perspectives, that was the biggest thing for me.
1: And Megan, what prompted you to apply and join the program? I have like, an interest in of working
2: with vulnerable families or just an interest as well in general in like, children's wellbeing and development, sort of be a really good um, educational and training kind of opportunities.
1: So do you think that this has given you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about infants and toddlers? Oh, yeah,
2: 100%. So, I did my first placement Child protection and out-of-home care. So I think it gave me a bit more time, working.
1: Great. And so the program that you undertook was a combination of two online courses: one was keeping the infant and toddler in mind, uh, and the second was the building blocks for social and emotional wellbeing. There was also a podcast, a webinar about play, and then the reflective discussions where we met as a group to talk through some of the concepts and explore how it was working in your placement learning. So how do you think the courses helped you understand child mental health?
2: I personally think it helped me get a better understanding of how mental health plays into child's development and play with the links a bit more. I don't think it's often... I guess, one of the forefront things that we kind of talk about or like think about. So, yeah, it really gave me a better understanding of play and how important and fundamental it is in for child's growth and mental health. That was
0: a big thing, but also the psychosocial factors,
2: you know, in that child and their
0: family's lives and just reinforcing curiosity in that space, um, both with play and psychosocial factors, just to really sort of understand where the parents are at, where other people in the house are at and where the child is at. And then also remembering that that child doesn't have a voice. So, you know, you have to be in there and advocate for them and their parents as well.
1: Do you think it's been useful to have those discussions and learnings at the same time as meeting and seeing families in your placements?
0: Yes, it's just underlined the importance of it and sort of makes you think about it, I guess, in a Theoretical perspective because you're seeing it face-to-face in placement, but and you know, you're debriefing and having supervision, but you know, re-talking about it and discussing it with others like you and Megan, it's yeah, been really helpful to get others' perspectives, like group supervision.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree, like the supervision and the peer learning has been would be because I think to you like others pick up on things that you kind of didn't realize or it can be used as like a way to kind of validate like that's how you felt and stuff like that. But yeah, it can also just be a good place for like more conversation around it to be happen, and it like encourages you to be curious and to think outside the kind of square and it kind of encourages you to explore that relationship and be curious about those relationships a bit more.
1: Mm. The course is structured in a relationship-based framework that promotes mental health infants and toddlers, and it has three interrelated positions, which are being an ally, being an advocate, and an, having an awareness of relationship. Ally being building an alliance with the family, being an advocate for the toddler, and being aware of the relationship between parent and child. What did you learn about the three
0: positions? As Clinicians or practitioners, you come in with knowing that you want to have a whole of family approach, but thinking about it like that kind of breaks that down and gives you the different angles to come in on. So, you know, you are looking at different psychosocial factors or different perspectives or different development factors and how people can relate to each other and understand each other in the family. Uh, I think that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. And just sort of how that goes back to helping parents understand their children's mental health. Um, I guess the way that things like domestic violence or drug use or, um, you know, those big things can affect development or affect children's mental health and, you know, can stunt their growth or stuff like that that I'd never really thought about and it makes a lot of sense but yeah I hadn't really thought about it before and I think a lot of parents haven't thought about it either.
1: Yeah and it sounds it's like comes back to that that curiosity again when we've got that understanding of the theory we can be curious or observe how that might be impacting a family or a child and respectfully explore that.
2: But I guess something for me too was like the ally advocate relationship framework it really like encourage you to explore what's happening for the parent and for the child. So I, yeah, I think it's a really good relationship framework because it really encourages you to both look at the strengths, look at what's going well, but also look at the worries and look at how we can be them.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think that's certainly that middle ground of being an ally and advocate. Yeah.
0: Something that I definitely took away from placement in this sense is that children especially, but also parents and siblings, we're all social beings. we are kind of like little sponges where we just absorb each other's emotions. Explaining that to parents is a really good way to help them understand it.
1: In terms of the relationship-based framework, that experience of pregnancy and transitioning to the postnatal period, because that's a uh, such a huge life change. Was that part of your frame of reference for understanding infant mental health? I mean, I had like a
2: bit of knowledge about the way that even if the baby's in the room, they still feel stress. They still feel a lot of the emotions that mum is experiencing. Like if mum is experiencing domestic violence, the baby would be feeling that stress and kind of that fear too.
1: In your placement and experience, you have parents that are fairly new into that transition of being parents, maybe for the first time. How has your sense of perinatal factors changed, or has there been anything that you'd think differently about?
0: I spent a lot of time with a specific team that worked with new parents. I think just letting people know, like through the curiosity and being non judgmental, that you know, you're going to see yourself and your partner or your mom, or whoever's in the house with you as like very different. Um, you'll see them being silly and see them being really playful and, you know, making faces that you might not have ever seen before or noises that you might not have heard before. And um, you just got to really embrace that and go with it. And, you know, also Giving people some psychoeducation around postnatal depression. I think that's really important from all the perspectives of advocate, ally, and um, awareness of the relationship.
1: There can be a lot of stigma and a lot of silencing about mental health in general, but particularly the experience of becoming a parent. Often parents feel like they need to have it all together. Um, do you have any examples of observing play in your placement?
0: I think. Play is a child or infant's way to communicate. It's basically their whole world at that age and it's the way that they, you know, let you know how they're feeling and where they're up to and their development, um, following their lead because they'll tell you when they've had enough and they'll tell you when they want to play or want to change
2: games. I mean, prior to this course, I I will be honest, I didn't really think too much into what play meant for the child and I didn't really pay too much attention to it because I thought it was just to keep playing like... Didn't really give it a lot of meaning, but I, after doing course, every time I do see a toddler playing, now I, I like take an intense interest about how they're actually playing with toys, what it is, or if it's not a toy, why they want to get into a particular cupboard. I, I really have built my understanding about what play actually means. For a child, and like one example I can think of is um when I've, I've noticed that toddlers sometimes will get intense interest on this one particular thing, and it happened to be this time child, the top toddler pushing the um, on and off button on the computer, which made me think, why was he so obsessed with pushing this? And another example I can think of is like the water call. One of the little toddlers had this intense interest in the water call. Like every time he saw it, he had to point it out to us. It was just like this amazing thing to him.
1: Part of the course was looking at brain development and part of brain development in those early years is motor developments you know their brains wiring and firing and they really love repetition because their brain wants them to do something over and over again um, parents or support workers etc social workers don't necessarily want to turn the computer on and off again on and off again repetitively <laughs> but but for littleys, that repetition is is their brain firings and have you had any opportunities to share those noticings or wonderings with a parent?
0: I definitely had the opportunity to do that on placement. Sometimes it's just pointing out like the little things you say oh like look at that delight or look at look at her looking at you or watching you move to the kitchen and following you with her gaze. You know you can see the joy that that brings the parent. Also pointing out when a child has made something a game if they've rolled a ball to you and you roll it back and they roll it back it's
1: a game now you know. A beautiful way of yeah coming back to to the infant and that backwards and forwards turn taking in the games is early communication. It sounds like you can't unsee play so are you noticing and observing infants in the supermarket now?
2: Yeah (laughs) yeah I definitely would say I am and when you see a mum take the kid to like grocery shopping with them, I think that's a really interesting thing to watch <laughs> because parents often, you know, are there to do a specific thing. It's but like kids are like, this is a playland. Like I think it definitely made me think of like how toddlers and adults maybe doing that at the same place but they're having completely different experiences because of the way our brains work.
1: Yeah absolutely they're an incredibly testing ground for parents patients yes. okay because you're on the edge of graduating and going into your career is there anything that you have an interest in learning more about?
2: I have a bit more interest in the way that play has a role in parent and child relationships and just children growing in general I'm I'm working with all the mums who have experienced domestic and family violence and often they have kids. I went and did my own course for Emerging Minds about domestic violence and that impact on children. So it really pushed me to really want to learn about how to have some of these tough conversations and often uncomfortable conversations too because, you know, children don't just passively witness or are exposed to domestic violence, they experience it as well.
0: In placement, I was privileged enough to have, be part of the behaviour clinic was all about children that were expressing themselves in a way that was concerning to the parent, Um, you know, and the parent would often say, oh, they have a behavioural issue. But when you would look at the child and realise that they have, you know, high levels of anxiety, and then you look at the parent and the parent has high levels of anxiety. And, you know, you go back to the sponge analogy and you think about how can the child regulate when, they see their parent unable to regulate. And I just think that's so interesting. So, yeah, I think I definitely want to learn more about that space.
1: And if you were to talk to a colleague or a students coming through, um, what might you tell them that they might discover about infants and toddlers if they were to engage in this similar program or just even online courses? that?
0: They're like little agents. They know what's going on. I think a lot of people might have a misconception that, oh, they don't know or they don't understand, but they do know they're soaking it all up and they know when mum or dad's upset. So yeah, I think it goes back to being curious and non-judgmental and having the skills to have those tough conversations and raise the awareness.
1: And we're certainly developing a skills course in terms of infant mental health, which crosses over the intergenerational mental health, as you've discussed, and the areas of working in family and domestic violence. But I think describing them as little agents is, um, yeah, they've got agents. Yeah, Yeah.
0: they are themselves. And um, yeah, they may not have the words yet, but they definitely have the behavior or the expressions coming through.
2: I really loved how, like, um, Rachel described them as being agents because they definitely are. And I think often adults really shut down child's understanding or experience of things. Go, oh, They're too little. They just don't understand. They don't know what's going on. They're not being affected. But that's not true. Even if they don't to a full stand understand what's going on, they're still experiencing it and they have their own understanding of what's going on. And I think the course really pushes you to think about that.
1: Thanks. That's been really great to hear your reflections and to hear how it's been to join in with the facilitated group as well.
2: I'm glad I did it because it's really, I think, like helped me professionally develop some of those needed skills I'm going to need in those context in the sectors. Definitely couldn't agree
0: anymore with Megan. Like it's been so helpful and so relevant and just breaking the concepts down and, you know, shining light on the different perspectives and really highlighting different things that we can think about and being able to bounce off each other as like a bit of a practical learner I got more out of it by having it this way rather than just online because you know I think sometimes I do think a specific way or direction and then when someone adds something in i kind of like oh i'd never even considered that yeah that's a really good point and then that makes me shoot off in other directions as well
1: that peer learning and bouncing off each other is really powerful
2: i really enjoy group reflective practices and supervisions because i guess in your sense you often challenged us or asked us questions that made us curious and think deeper about a particular situation or about a particular scenario or about just just something in general in terms of an infant or something to do with the course I think it made me think a little bit deeper about it we were all kind of in a different placement setting so I think we all had different experiences to bring to it which helped build knowledge and different ways of thinking
1: yeah well thank you so very much to both of you it was great to hear your reflections and to share this learning with you and I wish you both the very best going forward in your career thank you Visit our
0: website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health. Led by Emerging Minds, the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.